0: Welcome to Eavesdropping at the Movies. I'm Jose. I'm Mike. And today we're going to talk about uh, hereditary, which. Hereditary. Hereditary. Uh, hereditary. You say potato and I say potato. <laughs> or oh, the other
1: way around. Potato is <laughs> right. <drunk. laughs> Horror
0: movie. Yes, um, um,
1: uh, a, a first-time uh, director, uh, written and directed by Ari Aster.
0: Yes, it's been getting um, very good reviews. Uh, it's proving a hit. Uh, it had a budget of ten million, and it made almost that uh, or over that in its first week.
1: It's made it's made five times that by now, All right Or
0: more. Um, I didn't like it. What about I, you? I had trouble with it. Uh-huh.
1: Um, let's let's give it. There's 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 a lot of spoiler kind of uh, potential. So let's give a preview of it without that, which is um, there's a there's a family. Tony Collect's the mother. Gabriel Burns the father. Uh, the son and daughter are Alex Wolf and Millie Shapiro. Um, the mother's an artist. The dad doesn't you know what his job is. And and the kids are you know just school kids. Um, the uh, the grandmother's died. Tony Collette's character's mother. And that, and it's tough to say anything without kind of getting into too many details, really. But there's grief in their life, and they can't really communicate with each other very well. And uh, some unfortunate kind of events occur, and things start to spiral out of control. That's, that's incredibly vague, but that's really all we you can We just have say. to go into
0: spoiler territory. If you haven't seen the film, don't listen to the podcast. Yeah, so... like that. Because <laughs> otherwise nothing makes sense. Yeah,
1: from now on, I, um, there's going to um. be a, a lot of spoilers. Because kind of plot revelations is... is they are the, the sort of thing of the day.
0: Yes. I mean, I must say, I didn't like the film on many levels. Not just, you know, the story. Um, though... Though it struck me as being, so, so for, the, for the first little bit, I was thinking, oh, how interesting. Here it is about a mother who has revealed, you know, they don't want to have children, who, you know, hated her mother and kind of tried to keep away from her as much as possible, mm. you know, and then was lum- ended up being lumbered with her, you know, and how brave for her to say that really she didn't want any children. And she had them in spite of herself. She doesn't know how she ended up having them. And so on. So kind of each of those revelations, I thought, well, how interesting, right? Kind of you rarely hear that on cinema, in cinema. And then as the film progressed, I actually found, ended up feeling that it was misogynistic. You know? The
1: film certainly loses interest in that, I think. But how, is it, how do you think it's misogynistic?
0: Well, uh, because kind of everything is blamed on the women, really. So, you know, kind of the mother is... The grandmother is the source of evil... Uh, you know, this other woman who it turns out was, you know, great friends with the mother ends up being the person who entraps the family. Uh, the Tony Collette character is shown to be kind of, you know, a, a very bad mother, really. Uh, and one who refuses to take blame for part of her actions and so on and so forth. Uh, and then I don't like what they do to her at the end. So that last image of her stabbing herself, she,
1: uh, she, she she's using a piano wire yeah. to cut her neck off, cut uh, her head off rather.
0: Yes. So I thought it was all kind of like very brutal against women in all ways, really kind of it blames them for everything. And then it kills them all pretty much. Right. So
1: the men don't get off scot free.
0: Well, actually, I think the men are very nice in a way. So the son is very nice. And then the father is a complete innocent and then, of course, it turns out, you know, that at the end of the film, the, you know, one of the kings of hell, you know, Return ends up... Return to Earth. Return to Earth ends up inhabiting the boy's body, right? Um,
1: the father is brutally killed from out of nowhere in a way that he really doesn't deserve.
0: Yeah, but he's very nice throughout and, you know, kind of protecting his children and, uh, and so on and so no, forth. He,
1: I, you could also see it as he's um, uh, slightly uncaring towards his wife. Um, you know when he's been when he's been shown, uh, he, he he basically considers that she's having a breakdown, and despite the fact that he's been shown very clear evidence that something supernatural is actually happening, he still kind of refuses to believe it, refuses to sympathise.
0: I don't agree. I think it's a process, right? So he's very supportive, and then the, you know the film makes you understand why you know he ends up not being supportive any any further. Really, um, and that really begins to be when, when 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 in his eyes, she begins endangering the children
1: which
0: hmm. uh, she does, and what did you make of that bit, for example, when she threw the book and he ended up because you know for for a while, I thought that is conscious, like he's tricking him into giving up his
1: life um that was nonsensical to me, and this is one of the places where I had trouble with the film because. What the film does is a sort of bait and switch. It starts off as, and for a, for a good hour, it's a family drama. Yes. Really, it's it's a family that has been broken up by the death of the daughter, and it's and it's partially the son's fault, partially the mother's fault, um, although it was an accident. Um, and they they're kind of unable to talk about it, and and they they're trying to, and they already could kind of never really communicate it anyway, mm. for the reasons you said, you should know, she not want to have kids and so on. Um, and they kind of gather around the dinner table, and these kind of scenes explode um and I think some of the dialogue in those scenes is fantastic it really fit, they feel like real mm. real kind of family disagreements they feel really authentic mm. um so I was really getting on with it and then as the film sort of explodes into uh a kind of full on occult mm. sort of insanity um it started to lose me and there is an element of that which is. Being used to this sort of film, like I'm, it's not a type of film that I've ever really been accustomed to. Even ones that I like, like I like Kill List, for instance. But um, as it gets you know more and more into the occult stuff, it starts to lose me. It's just not something I really sympathise with. And so you, the problem that I have with that scene in particular, where the dad is uh, immolated, mm. is that you've you've previously seen that. Um, Setting the book on fire will set the mother on fire mm. kind of the fire creeps up her arm as she tries to set it on fire, and so you, the, that link is established yes so it it totally switches it on you and and it doesn't make sense it doesn 't make sense and the fan, and maybe there is like some kind of like in movie Bible of like this is how everything works mm. um, that explains why the dad uh, dies the second mm. time rather than the mum, but uh, it doesn 't make sense to me and and the shock of the dad being set on fire and the kind of... The, I mean, it's kind of an interesting image is not uh, enough to satisfy mm-hmm. the fact that it doesn't really make any sense. Yes. But I don't know if I'm being unfair asking it to make so much sense in a logical way because I think part of the project of the film is to go off the rails.
0: Ah, well, it does, you know, but I don't think it does so in a very satisfactory way and I don't like no. the switches that it pulls. So for the first ha- for the first hour or so you think, oh, how interesting, right? The film is called Hereditary. You know, here's a grandmother and then there's a daughter and, you know, and then there's a granddaughter, right? And maybe it's something that bypasses a generation because you see the grandmother appearing to the daughter and then the daughter does odd things like cut the head of a pigeon and things like that, right? Uh, you know, and so, and then the film does the other switch, really, which is it kills off the daughter, right? Like you know, so then it kind of it becomes a film about about the boy, really, you know, yeah, uh, and I mean, there's a kind of an interesting thing there about the relationship between the mother and the boy, and it's not clear to what extent she's she's conscious of the link that she herself provides. With the mother and with that world, because you know, there's that whole thing about the miniatures and the dollhouse, and you know, her obsessively kind of uh, uh, you know, uh, um, making scenes of her life in this dollhouse mm-hmm. that actually has great similarities with what she sees in the house of her mother's best friend with all the people bowing in front of the image of, yeah, you know.
1: So, um, I think, it, I think it's kind of Trying to use details like that to convince you that it's there's kind of more of a plan behind the film than there is in a way. I, I think that I think it's really trying to say like that. There's this whole thing of this 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 cult that is trying to bring back this demon of hell. Yes, and and the demon of hell comes back through uh, uh, vul- possessing vulnerable male bodies. Mm. Um, I think it's it's unsatisfactory because the only male in the film who has anything to do with it is the son. The only other male who's any, of any significance is the dad, and he doesn't have anything to do with this. Yes. So and, and the film is like... So, so despite the fact this demon is coming back through men, the film is all about women, yes. and, it's, and it kind of doesn't add up.
0: Well, I mean, you're given some background, so she tells us that um, her father died before she was born, mm and then that her brother starved himself to death or something Yeah, it was like a that. schizophrenic. There, um, there's
1: a point where she basically details a history of sort of mental, different mental illnesses within her family.
0: Yeah. So, and and you, you get the feeling that maybe there's a history that, it, that is tied together in the sense that you know, maybe this boy starved himself rather than giving up his body to the devil or whatever. Mm. Um, so, um, But I don't know. I was trying to think, well, what, what is the film about? Yeah, you know, because one of the fascinating things about horror right now is that, you know, it offers more of a critical commentary on American culture than almost any other genre, right? And it's kind of, like, often very explicit in its condemnations. And so I was trying to think, well, you know, what is it what is it about? So on the one hand, you could say, well, there is a kind of anti-capitalist theme because, you know, the whole thing about bringing back the devil is that the person who brings them back is endowed with riches. Okay. Right? So, you know, that could be, like... Uh, um, you know, a strand of thought. Um, it could also be kind of something about about the family, right? But then would you think, well, but what is it saying about
1: the family, right? And kind of... I th- Yes, I think it is... I struggle to... I don't want to be too declarative about it without, you know, kind of having to have the opportunity to give it more thought, I suppose. But it does feel like it's not as clever as it thinks it is or as clever as other people seem to think it is. Yeah. I think... Um, the fact that it is so slow, basically for a long time, which is not a criticism, but it is just it's it's not moving at a you know kind of breakneck speed, no. um, slightly kind of lulls you into thinking that, that there is more significance or detail than what's going on. Actually, I think there are some really nice things about the the the, the pace of it. Um, I really like the way the cameras used. I think there's a lot of composition in long takes and a moving mm. camera that kind of frames and reframes but, but doesn't cut for a long yes. time. And I think that partially that, that's great because it shows it. shows care and you feel it and you can see the performances. Um, and again, you feel that. And I think ultimately what the film's doing there is earning your trust as a viewer. Mm. I think a horror film in particular, in particular is is you're always kind of aware of the trickery Mm. That might be going on to to fuck with you, and the fact that you're you're kind of being invited into these unbroken scenes, um, it, it 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 sort of suggests a, a solidity of what you're seeing in a way that means that when it, like cuts become more important. Um, I don't know how else to phrase it, but I, I just, I, I like that there seemed to be care being taken over the way it was shot and put together.
0: Well, I, um, I, I'm not sure I agree with that. So I agree with some aspects. I mean, I think kind of the long takes and what you said about that, um, I, I do see, and I thought it was very good, and it makes it makes the cuts more effective, or, you know, it kind of draws a different attention to them at key moments. Mm. Um, but actually, I hated the whole look of the film, Yeah. right? It kind of, it had that thin kind of digital look yeah that looks cheap it's almost like some things are like too clear you know kind of some things are too gray um there didn't seem to me to be a plan behind you know Mm. those shifts uh i remember seeing a scene be with the mother and the mother's best friend the the grandmother's best friend in the parking lot Right, where you have all of these shadows crossing her face, and you think, you know, they're completely inexpressive. Those shadows—that's just where the light was happening to fall, and they haven't taken care to kind of make it mean something, right? Like, mm. um, so I thought, kind of, it was badly shot, really, um, in in many ways. Um, I wish that they'd done more with the house visually. I wish yes. that they'd done more with the attic visually. Uh,
1: yeah, I, that know. crossed my mind. When he, when the kid goes up to the attic at the end, the, the attic has been in the film once or twice, and then it becomes the sort of one of the places where the film uh, climaxes, and when you're going up there, you're sort of thinking like, this is this is supposed to be where where kind of secrets are hidden, yeah, you know, and 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 revelations uh, come out, and and then on top of that, you've got this the, the occult thing going on of like the kid is the kid is kind of a demon, mm. so things should be sort of exploding expressively up there, and they're not. No, and also I'm kind of a bit bewildered.
0: So so. For the first part of the movie, I thought, oh my God, you know, like, because I love Toni Collette, and she is wonderful. Um, But then, but then I also thought, oh, Gabriel Byrne, fantastic, right? It's so nice to see him, (laughs) and then, you you know, kind of, you're waiting for something to happen with him, right? Because, you know, he's such a great actor, um, and so, you know, kind of, if they have him in this film, it's because at some point, they're going to give him something to do, (laughs) Yeah. yeah, and they never do right? It's a really dull role, yeah. kind of, you know, with very few emotional registers. He's just uh, a
1: walking frown. Yeah. You just know, going, no, no, no. The so, whole
0: thing. so I thought that was a waste. Um, to be fair, there was, there was a moment which came to me unexpectedly where they're at the table and they're all grieving over the death of the daughter that really moves me that i found myself slightly welling up at yeah right i agree with you uh which was very surprising and
1: it's for me it was when the mother the, the son hasn't they haven't spoken about it and the son hasn't apologized he's just kind of sort of tried to be quiet about it and yeah i mean i kind of sympathize with him like how do you bring that up yes how do you say i killed your daughter—that's fu- yeah. Um, but of course, I also think that like you probably should say sorry. <laughs> but it's yeah. when the mother stands up after the kid wants to bring this all out. You know, says mm-hmm. what? You know, there's something on your mind. Talk to me. Let's. Let... And they start having it out. She stands up and she says, it, "It's not just like it's not just a torrent of anger." She says, um, "I wish I could protect you from the knowledge of what you've done." Yes. You know, so, like, she... There's a kind of forgiveness in there, or, or sympathizing. She knows that she can't blame him exactly.
0: But then she blames him.
1: But, of course, she does. But, and he deserves some blame. Well,
0: I don't know. I mean, kind of... What I like about the film is that the way, the way that it complicates everything. Yes. So you see that the boy really just wants to go on his own, right, to this teenage party. The last thing he wants is to bring his bloody sister, you know. So um, it's cued early on that she's allergic to nuts, so, and then you see the sprinkling of the nuts. They go into the party. The mother forces him to take the sister to the party, you know, and then whilst he's upstairs, she gobbles up the cake like nobody's business. And then you see kind of the nuts acting on her. So, and he, then he races to kind of, you know, get help for her. Yeah. Uh, and she puts out her head, yeah, yeah. outside. Uh, uh, and I
1: agree, but he's also been smoking weed, you know, knowing that he would have to drive... Because he's taken the car, yeah. Knowing knowing that he's responsible for his sister, I'm not I'm like I, I, you're right. It do, it is complicated, but the point is that there is there is kind of blame that is shared. It's not all on him. It's not all on her. It's not all, you know. And so well, that's why the, that's why
0: the scene is so good, right? You know, because you know his question is valid, and actually her, you know. So the, this thing that you're saying, well, you know, I wish I could protect you from this, and then, but then it continues a little bit. But it is your fault, yeah. Like. Hmm. So she loses it at the end. And then, you know, his answer, well, what about you, right? Like, yeah. so I think kind of those complications are brought out in a way that are unexpected uh, uh, in, a, in a, you know, a genre film like this and actually where, that are very effective. So actually the film has moments like that, but then it kind of, it pretty much lost me at other moments. And there was a, and there was a feeling like halfway from the end where I was really thinking, I just want this to end. I kind Do you, of, you
1: remember when it bounced?
0: The bit where she's going a bit bonkers with the book and she's losing it, and Mm. you know, kind of, she wants him to do this and that, and it's very hysterical. It starts to get kind of adolescent, Um, and I
1: think what the film is trying to do is it—it's a family that has that is being kept together, but there are cracks all over the place. And I think the film is attempting to use the the kind of paranormal and weird stuff that's going on. To, to pull at these cracks, you know, yes. to, try and, to try and use them to to expose the, the problems in the family um, and, and the kind of secrets and things. And I don't think he's very successful at doing that, really. No. I think that actually the, the, the horror, sort of the more conventional horror stuff, feels very separate from the family drama. And the family drama is much more effective. Yes. I think there are very
0: muddled things. So, for example, you know, when she says you know, she always kept away from her mother. Like, she wanted to have nothing to do with her mother, right? And then that she didn't want any children. And then that she tried to basically abort him in every way that she could think of without success. You think, well, does she know something? Or does she not know something? It's never made clear. Hmm. So, you know, why does she want to abort? And, like, yeah, so she's presented to you as someone who actually doesn't have a clue about all of these things. And, yeah, and yet... (laughs) kind of there are these decisions that kind of have a resonance. And I think the film also cheats a little bit because you get the feeling that, you know, they, they make her sleepwalk and things happen when she's sleepwalking, you know, that she's not conscious of, you know. But actually the relationship between the sleepwalking maybe to the supernatural world or, you know... Uh, yeah kind of those are not really kind of clearly yeah it's, understood. it's not
1: explained or well they're there the sleepwalking is there to kind of provide a, a sort of mechanism by which sort of weird stuff can happen while she you know to to generate ambiguity yes. you know is she possessed or is she sleepwalking or is she does she know what she's doing and the more ambiguous for the film's sake mm. the better but actually for the audience's sake probably not so much because it does end up being too confusing. I thought it was muddled. so you know when
0: she gives when she says that scene where she was sleepwalking and she wakes up and like you know her children are covered in lighter fluid and she's got a lighter in her hand mm. or paint thinner and she's got a, a lighter in her hand kind of you think okay well you know um Is is it a bad dream or actually does she she know what she's doing? She wants to burn them up so that they don't bring the demon into the world. Actually, that seems to me like pretty fundamental in a horror film to kind of, you know, make that distinction, right? Do you know? Do you not know? Do you know something? And even if, like, you know, a knowledge is only in sleep but it's a real knowledge, then you can create a tension between the waking life and the, you know, the sleep yeah. But
1: Actually, the film does
0: nothing with that.
1: I was going to say, because it's it's fairly clear that from what she kind of consciously knows, um, she has no knowledge of, yes. of this ritual, this demon thing, because she learns about it and through her learning about it, we learn about we it. Exactly. Um, and, you know, the revelation of Joan, uh, who, you know, she's just kind of met accidentally, actually being an old friend of her, her mother's yes. who forces her way into her life. To you know, to kind of make this ritual happen, I think is the suggestion. Yes. Um. There's there's something. There's something kind of fated about the family in a way. Um. Like I, I guess the thing with the son, although you're right that that it just seems, it just feels to, that there needs to be more of an explanation of, of quite why she was so determined not to have the kid. Um, the fact that she tries everything not mm. to have the kid. But the kid is coming anyway. Yeah. There's there's a kind of fate aspect. Like this was determined before mm. she had any idea, before the kids were even born. Yes. Um. There was a you know the kind of this 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 ritual was supposed to be happening. This demon was coming back. Um. But it I, the film was raising laughs and not just with me. I mean there were laughs. There were more laughs than, than kind of gasps or jumps or anything like that around the audience. There were those. there were very few people were finding it very silly.
0: And actually a few people walked out. Mm. Um. So uh, I I kind of. I wasn't very impressed. And I have to think through this misogynist thing because I do think it's there and I'm not kind of, you know, I'm not sure that I have an argument that provides all kinds of evidence and wraps it up neatly, you know, but I didn't like it. It's a really interesting thought. Yeah. And
1: it's... No, you're right. I think there is something to it. Um, It's a film in a way that feels like it doesn't really understand the kind of depth of its subject matter and the fact that it ends up going into this... Fairly infantile, nonsense, occult yeah. weirdness. Yes. Um it's like it, it's like a film school project in a way. Like, like if a, like I remember my brother saying to me, and this this might sound insulting to my brother, but I think it's a cool idea. Is he said like if you have just like a regular TV show like Mad Men or something, mm. just like a decent drama, and then in like season five, like War of the Worlds happens and aliens invade, and just see if mm. people went with it. Is a fun idea, yeah. but actually, in a film like this, you go oh, wait, now that I've seen someone do that, where, like, something genuinely goes that batshit insane, mm. I realise it's a dumb idea. Yeah. And it's only something that film students would be interested in doing. I mean, there were some things that just didn't make sense. So, for example, there are actually v-
0: relatively few men in the film, right? Like, the film is really female-centric through most of it, right? And then at the end, when, you know, the boys turned into, like, the king of whatever, you know, one of the kings king, of... Pa- Ed- king
1: Paimon, I think is name yeah.
0: is. Um, Then all of a sudden, you have all these naked men, you know, kind of uh, bowing down to him. And you think, where did did they come from? Because all you've seen is women. And actually, the women are all decapitated around (laughs) this birth of this new evil king, you know. Uh, So most of the women are with their heads off. And then all these men appear. And you think, like, what's what's
1: that about? Well, I mean, you're right. But I think asking any kind of... Any uh, sort of real questions about that is foolish. I think by the end of the film, by those last few minutes, the kind of the, the verifiability of anything that you've seen before is really in question. Yes. Well, um, you know,
0: but I think if you're trying to see kind of themes unfurl, yeah, whatever, you want to make sense of these things, and actually they don't.
1: Yeah. sure I, I thought you meant just like in, in practical terms, where do they come from? Well, no, in, I in meant, sort of I meant, thematic terms, I guess. Well, well
0: what I'm, I think in my own head, if I'm trying to say like there's a misogynist edge to this film. Right. Mm. Um, You know, because all these women have plotted to kind of bring this evil into the world. Right. And then actually evil takes male form. uh, And all of a sudden kind of there are, you know, all these naked men who are obviously who are now the power mongers, really, because all the women are there with their heads cut off. Yeah. Right. Um, Yeah. So I'm just trying to kind of. I agree. Makes sense of that.
1: Definitely something with it. it Reminds me what the point you're making reminds me of a film I watched called It Follows, which is from 2014. I think Uh it's a horror movie. um, About uh, again, it has some kind of it has some interesting sort of careful filmmaking aspects to it. It's about this um, sort of entity that follows people when you have sex with someone else it kind of gets transmitted Mm. and then it basically follows you and kills you and then goes back to kill the last person you had sex so it's it's a sort of it's a joke on stds Mm. not a joke but like a Mm. whatever analogy um but but again like as interesting as that film was in some ways from the from the first minute it was incredibly misogynistic because Mm. it was it's a film that really luxuriates in looking at women's dead bodies being sort of arranged yes weird and no one, and I've re, I was reading reviews of it, and no one seemed to say anything like that. It's really weird how it kind of gets past people.
0: For a moment, I thought that the boy was going to be like the female equivalent of the last girl. I, it'll be like oh, yeah. the last boy, right? You know. And then, of course, instead of you know uh, uh, it being like that, he's hailed as the new king and <laughs> crowned,
1: and yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of a happy ending. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so, uh, so, so it's just bizarre. There are analogies to all of the famous horror films. I mean, you could really see the connection to like Rosemary's Baby, um, you know, I think uh, uh, very clearly, and there's aspects of The Exorcist and so on. Um, but, my God, actually, you know, even The Exorcist, which I, you know, I hate, like when you think of some of those images and kind of and the glossy luxuriance of them, mm. I find that, you know, kind of this film on a visual level, it's just like nothing. nothing.
1: What, 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 what do you hate about the Exorcist?
0: Well pretty much everything really I hate I hate I hate the fact that it kind of you know it has the religious kind of dimension I hate what they do to Linda Blair in it. I think it's kind of like gruesome and gory and
1: well go on I, I mean I'm interested like what about what about Linda Blair and what about the religious aspect if you if you can remember. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I think getting a 13-year-old girl to put a crucifix up her vagina mm. is completely disgusting and, and, and inexcusable. Mm. Ah! Yeah. <laughs> so I'll leave it at, at that. And, well, you know, yeah, I mean, you know, I mean there, is, there,
1: is, there does seem to be this feeling of, like, the, um, not necessarily with little girls, even, but just, like, torturing your actors means that you're a good director, which is yes. bullshit. Um, but I think in this case, I mean, I forget
0: what Linda Blair's real age was, but it was something like that, wasn't it? Like thirteen or fourteen in the film. I can find you know, out. yeah. Find out. I just think that's kind of disgusting.
1: Linda Blair, she was born in '59. Nexus came out '73, so, so she thirteen or fourteen yeah. when it was being filmed. Yes,
0: uh, and if you imagine that it was probably filmed the year before yeah, exactly. it was released, yeah.
1: And yeah? um, um, what about the religious uh, aspect?
0: Um, well, it buys into them, doesn't it? You know? Um,
1: is that a problem? Well, I... I mean, I, I, for me it is. It is a problem is. that a film treats religion as something that is actually real?
0: Um, for me it is. Okay. You know, I mean, uh, it, yeah, so obviously that would get rid of a lot of supernatural kind of things. Um, and it is a fantasy and it is a game and so on. Um, but, um, it's not just, I mean, this thing is not just that, I I suppose, well, I'm not even, um, supportive of religion in the abstract, actually. I do think it is the opium of the people in every form. Um, but that the film was so Catholic in its treatment of the supernatural, right? And the very idea of exorcism kind of only, yeah. Mm. Plays out within kind of a particular view of good and evil and the role of the church in it, and you know, and that actually supports all of that just by virtue of how it plays out in the film. Mm. I didn't like that. Fair um, yeah, fair I mean, I'm speaking, I haven't seen it yeah, for no, absolutely. 30 years. I was but, just curious
1: to get you reading it, I mean, yeah. Um, um, it's not a film that I, I, I saw it for the first time. Um, I saw it for the first time actually at Warwick film sock, uh, so I would have been 19 or 20. Um, And I was kind of nonplussed by it, I suppose. Uh It's not something that that struck me or or, or really involved me or was scary to me. But, um...
0: Frankly, my understanding, and, you know, I could be wrong, and maybe one should look it up, but my impression was always that nobody ever really thought it was a good movie. I mean, obviously, it was an enormous success. It was like a Jaws type of success before Jaws. Yeah. Right? But its reputation as a masterpiece of the cinema is really only due to Mark Kermode. (laughs) You know? I mean, he went on a rampage about it, about it being his famous film, and then he wrote the BFI classic, and then Mm. I think a younger generation of people just assumes that it is a classic because there's a classic book on it, and, you know, Mark Kermode loves it. But I don't think anybody who's really serious about the art of cinema has ever thought that that's a great movie.
1: Um, Well, I can give you... This is just a a scanning of the reception Mm. uh, sort of section on Wikipedia, so take it as you will. But um, there is... uh, there are reviews from Stanley Kaufman in the New Republic, Variety, um, Roger Eberts gave it four out of four stars. Um, so some people seem to like it. And then there are also, there are also uh, a number of um, less positive ones. And it does say, to be fair, The Exorcist's critical reputation has grown considerably over the years, no, which well. is, that's, I mean, that's pretty unquestionable, I suppose.
0: Yes. Yeah. Well, and I, I'm just giving you my view of, um, you know, yeah. How that developed basically yeah, because,
1: sure. uh, uh, um, but that's that's the exorcist,
0: yeah. Um, uh. so, um, yeah, let's go, let's get back on topic and, and wrap it up, really. Hereditary, uh, yeah.
1: What do you think of the title? See, I, by the, by
0: the, I, that doesn't make sense to me
1: <laughs> either. By the time we got to the end, I thought maybe it's about like the the the, the horror of uh, hereditary succession.
0: No, I think this is something <laughs> that a television series. Any old television series dealing with witches or the supernatural, you know, would have done it much more elegantly. You know, you could have had a preamble about generations of witches that bring back this god or whatever, you know, and make it all make sense. But actually, you have no idea, right? So all you know is there's a grandmother and presumably, like, you know, she kind of worshipped the devil or whatever. But in what sense are these, you know, uh, yeah. powers hereditary? Or who is who inherits them? And but like you, you're none the wiser. Yeah, and actually, to, to the film's detriment. It is because, and actually, uh. the, the
1: real problem about that is what the film does early on is set up a mystery. Yes. And then it has no. Uh, I, I, maybe it's not fair to say it has no interest in, in explaining it. I think, I think there's a good chance that actually, um, if you if you were to ask the the, the writer director. Um you know what's going on, he would be able to tell you, well, if you look at this clue here and this clue here. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah, the yeah. kind of thing where it's all been hidden away. But that's I think not it, fair I to think, an audience. I
0: think there's definitely a sense of that because for example, you know, one of the things that you're very conscious throughout the film from the very beginning, is the role of those dollhouses. Mm. Right? Because, you know, the film kind of starts on a dollhouse And then kind of it moves to a bedroom and you wonder is the bedroom in the dollhouse or like, you know, there's reference, there's continued references back to this dollhouse, right? But I still don't get it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know that it means something. You know that kind of you're drawn to it all the time. That it's kind of referenced over and over again,
1: and then they but, end up being smashed. Yeah, by, and then they the end up the being mother. smashed. Okay, okay so uh, what so does that mean? What does it mean?
0: You know, <laughs> like it just kind of you know that in the director and the writer's minds it means something, mm. but actually I just didn't get it.
1: Yeah, you know. and I don't like that feeling of a film sort of speaking in code. Yes, I don't think I just don't think that's very good storytelling. Yes, I mean I was watching, um, uh, I was watching a, like a Vanity Fair video, or some publication like that. They do videos on mm. YouTube, and um, uh, it was Jordan Peele who wrote and directed Get Out, which mm. we both agree is a really good mm. film, and everyone agrees that. They gave him sort of fan theories about what, what you know, kind of details of the mm. film or what's happening in the film. Uh, and he responded in a way that I found quite disappointing, which was to say, you know, oh, yeah, that's kind of right. I oh, know that's not really right. Whereas what really the, the the response should be, oh, that's interesting. Yes. You know, oh, that's not what I was going for, but that's a really interesting interpretation. Yes. You know, I don't like the idea that, that, that there is a coded way, because then, then you're not interpreting the film. You're just you're looking for clues. Yes. And that's what I feel this film is. Yes. Oh, that's interesting. Do you know what I mean? I mean, I just, I kind
0: of, I mean, even, because... So let me backtrack, because actually, I don't mind if films are coded, right? Because, you know, so for example, I've been watching like a lot of Antonioni, and really the films are all very coded. But the thing is that, you know, it gives you this patterning from the very beginning of the film, yeah. so that you can make sense of, you know, whatever code it's working through, right? So so I'm quite, I'm quite open to kind of films working uh, in various ways. But I just think that this one is sloppy, that there is something that... You know, the filmmakers have tried to communicate to an audience that it somehow fails at. Yeah. Yeah, because we didn't get it. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, no, uh, yeah, or, or, or we kind of partially got it, but felt that it was so sort of silly and wild and vague that there was actually no sort of purpose or profit in, or in actually pursuing it
0: yes i problem. mean you know so for example there was this other thing where you know when the boy's looking out the window you know and you know that it's something important because there's that red light you know which from looks like it house. might be from the treehouse, right and it's being reflected in his eyes and so on so you think oh you know there's something you know what's the light what does it mean where's it coming from what's it what effect is it going to have mm. right and actually, I still can't connect the pieces.
1: You know, <laughs> it's just there to make them look a little bit evil. Um, I don't know. Like, um, I also noticed a um, couple of things you get in the classroom. Um, uh, it, it's it's the sort of thing when someone's talking in a classroom, or when someone's watching something on TV in a movie. Mm. Like you, you should notice what what they're talking about or what they're watching, because mm. it's 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 not just an accident. You know, uh, like like how in. Uh, um, what was the Lynn Ramsey movie we saw a few months ago? Ratcatcher. No. no,
0: a few months ago. Um, the one with Joaquin yeah. uh, Phoenix, yes. You were never really here. You were never really here. That was it, fabulous. In You
1: Were Never Really Here, there's a scene which we didn't pick up on at the time, uh, we didn't talk about it at least, where uh, he's sat with a girl on the bed in the hotel room and they're watching. Uh, the Shawshank Redemption on TV—you can't see, you can just hear it—but it's when they it's when Andy and Red are talking about Zioattanio mm. and escaping, mm. and it's like that is that's a perfect echo of what what is driving these characters at the mm. time, you know, what they want mm. and the kind of freedom they're hoping to gain and this sort of thing. So it's, it, when it's done well, it's, it's not an accident, you know. Yes. But in this film, the uh, the, the teacher's talking about uh, Hercules and the, and. It's a kind of extended scene, like they're chatting away in the class, and he says, "You know, what was Hercules' downfall?" And someone says, "Arrogance." You know, he believed this, that, and the other. And you're going, okay, so I'm looking for that in the rest of the film. Like, where's going to people going to be talking about being too arrogant? I don't really see that. Later on, there's something about Euphrogenia, and again, I, there was there was something about fate, maybe a little bit. The idea that Hercules um, was was fated and had no choice. And does that make his, his story more tragic or less tragic? But it's really light. And you know, going, like I want. I, I, I guess I kind of feel like I want more, but I also want to know really what the writer thought was going on. There was
0: also another uh, classroom discussion on the Great Depression, you know, and so again, kind of, I was, you know, because I think you can tie those things in, in a way, right? So the God enriches some, yeah, these people. Yeah, and there is a discussion on the Great Depression, and, you know, we are just going through this enormous recession since 2008, uh, but you know, so you're trying to say, yeah, there there seem to be connections. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> but I'm just Everything not stops able to quite soon. Yeah, um,
1: it, it it it's just really really unsatisfactory to kind of think about all those details because um, it, it seems so clear that the film wants you to. Yes. You go okay. Well, I tried.
0: <laughs> yes. Well, let's move track now because okay. I think you know I don't want to end the podcast without just. Um, praising Tony Collette yes yeah because um, one of the things you know after her first couple of scenes I was just thinking you know I don't understand why writers and directors aren't kind of you know falling over themselves trying to write stuff for this woman you know because she's not only like a brilliant actress but she's a she's a real star she's so charismatic you can't stop looking at her yeah. you know uh, and so kind of You know, uh, yeah, and and yet you think what use has been made of her in films? You know, and the last thing I can really vividly remember her in is um, the Hugh Grant thing, where she plays the mother.
1: Uh,
0: A man. Oh, about a boy. About a boy. Two thousand
1: and two. Yeah. I was going to say, well, you're right. She's very good, man. I'd forgotten it. I was going to say the last thing I can remember in was Six Sense. Yes. Where she plays a, a somewhat similar role Roll, to this it's basically yes. you know, scared mother of a creepy kid <laughs>
0: yes <But> that's earlier <laughs> which than. is 1999 yeah yeah so um, you know kind of uh, uh, yeah part of the problem with cinema is that they're not doing this kind of. and to the film's credit this is oh it this makes is a really role. good use of her yeah I mean she's fantastic uh, she has a lot
1: to do and and I think that what we we're talking about earlier the long takes. They suit her so well, yeah. and they and they, they make her performance even greater. Yes.
0: Um, I mean, I think to me that that is the, uh, you know, completely uncontroversial success of the film, the inarguable success of the film, that, you know, it provides her with a role in which she can tr- be truly great uh, and and really kind of, you know, quite... In a in a very complex role. I mean, you yes. know, a woman who kind of dreams of setting her children on fire, who you know, who you know tried every way to abort them. If you think about the role, yeah, just in terms of those characteristics, kind of, you know, it's 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 quite um, a difficult and scary uh, uh, and daunting one. Yeah, and I think she just does marvels. There's nothing
1: it, really. unconvincing about it, yeah. is there? As you say, when you consider yes. <laughs> what's going into. What's going into the character? Yeah, this idea that is kind of amazing, isn't
0: it? So, so I would say I found the film very unsatisfactory, and its Saving Grace is really, you know, kind of um, there's some really interesting staging and direction. I, I will acknowledge, as yeah. you say, um, and then also Tony Collette's uh, performance, which is absolutely great and kind of exceeds whatever the film does. Yeah,
1: I agree. Yeah. For- Okay, well, righto, thank you very much for listening. Uh, there you go we as, as I said I think on a previous podcast, like people have been waiting to talk about this film, which I thought was interesting. Like, I've seen people going, or oh, will people hurry up and see hereditary so we can talk about it Ah right, okay, um, and I think that's interesting because so some people are responding you know it because it's not doesn't necessarily mean that people think it's good, although that's probably an indicator people want to talk about things they like, but uh, people definitely think it's interesting. Well, I think it is interesting. I
0: mean, you know, I think we've just had a very interesting conversation. And I think, you know, and I think also I want to offer this as a cue for people to kind of get in touch and give their interpretations. Because, you know, maybe the things that we haven't seen, you know, that kind of, you know, that we can't quite connect, maybe other people do, uh, can connect them. But certainly, it's a film that does make you think about all of those
1: things, which
0: in itself is something that's very interesting, yeah? I think there's
1: probably a dimension that we're both missing. I certainly am, which is that, as I said earlier on, I just don't really get on with occult-type stories. Yes. Um, Which is not to say that I went to the film with kind of low... I mean, for one thing, I didn't know that's what it was going to be. But, um, you know, when I'm faced with something like like Kill List or The Wicker Man... um, I do end up kind of nonplussed despite the fact these films have a re- real reputation of greatness. Yes. Um, and I wonder if there's that means that then there's just a lack of understanding of why people are interested in the occult or what it means or why people are interested in it. Well, It's something that's totally lacking for me and from my interpretation of this film.
0: That could be true of me as well. Um... You know, it, it certainly can, You know, I want to ask
1: Matt Denny about it because he's interested in all British horror and that sort of thing.
0: Yes. and um, but uh, but British horror is not very supernatural, is
1: it? Well, like I said, it, it it gets quite occulty, like I say, kind of dru- the druidy stuff, like, okay, like the, the Wicker Yeah,
0: uh, occult druidy stuff. Yes, I suppose. Um, um, um I, th- yeah. I think he probably have was a lot more to say about it. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> I think in that
1: respect, though, I think he probably have a lot more to say about uh, it than I could. Yeah. Um, um, I'd be interested to get his read on it. Which you know, and you should follow Matt Denny on Twitter, as you should follow us.
0: We <laughs> are <laughs> 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 we are at Eavesdrop Movies.
1: Uh, we're eavesdropping at the movies on Facebook and SoundCloud and iTunes. Yes, and um,
0: and do get in touch, or you know, do kind of comment if um, either you can extrapolate some of these interpretations. And make them neater and you know make more sense of them than we have. Mm. Or and in, indeed if you have if you have uh, new ones, I mean, I think that the film is successful in that it makes you try to bring that kind of coherence to a set of themes and ideas that it kind of lays out, and that we're, we're arguing that it doesn't kind of develop very coherently. Uh, but you might find a coherence that we are presently missing, and if so, we'd, lo- we'd love to hear from you.
1: Yes, wouldn't we just...
0: All right, well, goodbye. <laughs> Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs> uh.